Yo, welcome to Character Development. This is your boy, Daniel Elias. Am I your boy? Today's guest is my boy, Hashem Hassan. I met this dude in college. We are about to graduate college together. He is a, a, a violinist born in New York, raised in Qatar, came here to the States as an international student pursuing violin, plans on moving to Canada in the fall to continue pursuing the violin. We get into his story uh, as a violinist, as well as specifically um, his experience recovering from injury um, and how that affected him mentally and physically. Yo, so stay tuned, more character development coming your way. Hey yo, welcome to Character Development. I'm Daniel Elias. Today, I'm here with my very good friend, Hasho Asad. What it do? Hey man. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. I know what it is, yo. Um, Hashem is a violinist, a very good one. Uh, but he's, he's, Hashem, what are you doing right now? Right now, I'm just learning the violin. Um, starting my own page as well, because what's important is to also, as much as you stay in the practice room and work on yourself, you also have to become part of music community at the same time. Okay. So you can't keep yourself in a vacuum. As much as that's romanticized, to just put your head down and practice, practice. You really do have to put yourself out. What are your, what are your goals as a violinist? As a violinist? Or do you have goals as other things? I, of course, but as a violinist, my goal is, at the end of the decade, I would like to be international. Like, I would like to travel from place to place, performing. Not necessarily uh, black and white, like I'm going to be playing these composers' works. I'm going to be posting my own works. I just want to be a traveling musician. We want to be a traveling musician. Yeah, international. Like, I would love to be based in one place. Right? Yeah. You know, so I have some stability there, but I'm also sought after. Okay, yeah. And I can spread my music. All right, so you, you got you to gotta understand, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. In a certain respect, and I do in another respect. Yeah. I say that because I come from... Like a, a hip hop tradition, sure. Where like everyone in my hood was like everyone in their wild wanted to be a rapper. Yeah, I have never met anybody that like and that wanted to be a violin player. Um, and you have like a, a classical training, right? Yes. Um, all the music I've played, the majority of the music I've played has been classical. Done some jazz, of course. More recently, maybe in the past year only, and I've been okay. playing for. Fifteen or so years. Uh, where did where where and when did you start playing? Where are you from, bro? Where I'm from? Well, I was born in New York, but I grew up in the Middle East in uh, Doha, Qatar. Yeah, he has a running joke. <laughs> uh, we we could we could save it, you know. We, uh, but yeah, so I consider myself to be from that region because I lived there all of my childhood up until yeah. high school. Up until high school, and so I started playing violin over there. Uh, I in started. Qatar? Yeah, in Qatar, started with the Suzuki method. Suzuki method, yeah, like the car, uh, yeah, like a violinist. Right, <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, there's also a car called Suzuki. Um, but did the Suzuki method for maybe two to three years, and it's like the Suzuki method when it's done properly, it's it's incredibly effective. Like you can understand why that method is still used today. Yeah. Um, but you know, as a child, and for a lot of my uh, youth. I despised playing the violin, you know, like I wanted to go outside and play soccer. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to do other things. I didn't want to sit down or focus with an instrument. Um, and that's what the Suzuki method requires. Yeah. It's like you must, the child needs to already have an appreciation for well, the violin. Yeah. Yeah. So as I'm actively resisting uh, to learn and to play the violin, I'm blocking off my ears. And I can't pick up the Suzuki method because of that. Okay. Okay. So, was at what? At what do you do you now love the violin? Oh, of course, I love the violin. Uh, at what point did you start loving the violin? I think I was either fourteen or fifteen. I remember that the day, like not the dates, but I do remember what happened. I uh, I had my violin lesson. Right, I had this Romanian teacher named Stefan Stefan Robu. I still speak to him to this day. He, yeah. He's a great guy. Shout out stuff all right. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> but I was coming back from school, and my lessons were right after school. Yeah. And I had a soccer after school practice. So I'm coming in, I'm tired, I'm sweaty. But I feel like I already accomplished what I needed that day. It's like I just played soccer. 
very well. Probably not that well. Yeah. And I just finished playing soccer. And had you just finished juking out of people. Like, exactly. Crisscrossing. Had applesauce. a great time. Scored bicycle kick here, you know, Rabona, everything. <laughs> everything was good. And I, and I throw my stuff down. I'm unpacking my violin. I'm hot and sweaty, whatever. And he goes over to his cabinet. And every music teacher has their printed collection. Their right. printed collection? Is yeah. it like a copy of written music? Yeah, that what that is? but like hard copies, not just necessarily printed out little like a PDFs. It's like books. Books, exactly. Okay. And so, I mean, he has both. He'll have printed out or he'll go to his computer and send it to the printer or he'll go to the the cabinet. He'll go to the cabinet and, yeah. and go to the, okay, you so, get mad excited. Then. Yeah, because when he goes to the cabinet, you A, you know, I'm going to have a new piece. And there's a likelihood that that is going to be cool. Okay, I'm calling out something nice. Okay. So he goes over to the cabinet, he opens it, and he picks it out and like he pulls it out quickly, sharp. He knows there's something he's grabbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He already planned this. So it wasn't him just scratching his beard up thinking. He knew. He wasn't improvising. Yeah, exactly. So he takes the music, he puts it on my stand, and says, okay, this is what we're going to learn. But let me play it first. And that's typical. So you can hear how it sounds. It's either a YouTube video or let me play it. So he decides to play. And that day, his performance right there made me want to sound like him. Made me want to take that music and give that feeling to somebody else. Because I was sitting there in awe. What, what, what song was it? It was Violent Concerto by Brooke. B-R-U-C-H. Brooke. And do you think... It's G minor <laughs> by Brooke um, in G minor. And uh, in fact, today when I was at the master class, somebody performed the third movement Okay, uh, for it. Uh, well, which is equally as beautiful, but the first movement is eerie and there's tension building from the very first note all the way until, well, really till the third movement, but the tension is there. It's a funny thing to try to convince a kid to, like, understand that. It's hard. It's it's crazy. Um, I mean, that's why they tell you start your child early. And? Because it, it needs to be natural to them. At least it sounds. Right? I think I know what you mean, though. Like, they need to be familiar in some respect. Because uh, we, we, I've noticed that. Human beings are very inclined towards familiarity. Um, I, even when I'm venturing off into music, I don't venture off that far. Right. And like my venturing is little by little. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so you still have bearings and and where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. But like, if you throw me into a whole new genre, like I'm totally out of whack. But I think eventually I could come to like it. Okay. I say that to say that like as a kid, there were so many things I didn't enjoy that now. As an adult, I've slowly come to enjoy. Okay, even even things like classical music. Yeah. Uh, granted, whenever we go to those concerts, sometimes I still want to fall asleep. <laughs> like, because I'm just just be falling. But hey, it's you know what peaceful. Man? A lot of the music is soothing. I understand that. The moments um, of excitement, though, are real. Yeah. Um, we went to a rehearsal on the other day. Yes. I don't know what it was. Uh, Friday, I believe. But there was just um, this one piece. It was the one I asked you to, to ask you the name and asked you to write it down. But it was almost like I don't I don't know how to describe the sound. But she had the the solo. Yeah. And then they just came in behind and like <laughs> like hammers. Yeah. Like hammers. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, man. That feeling is is just majestic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible feeling. Um. Yeah, I'm just rambling now. Hey, man, it's beautiful to hear all those harmonies come in together. Yeah. Of course, one violin it has a sweet, warm, and filling sound. But now when you add an entire orchestra? Yeah. Right. So I get it. How do you feel about... Uh... Okay. So do do you read into music? Like, and, and when I say that, like, I remember we... Help. You said the warm, the warm violin sound, something yeah, like that. 
That feels like a reading into the music. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Where I've encountered some people where you would describe music yeah. in these ways, and they think that you're just being contrived and, like, mystical. Mm-hmm. Or some magical, like, oh, you vibrations, man. It's like, this is a warm vibration, like. You know what I mean? Like this, right? This actually encompasses three-dimensional space. There are higher, lower frequencies. Yes, music. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know where the hell I was going with this, brother. Okay, so, but in terms of uh, understanding music through yeah. these, these uh, using these terms, warmth sounds like a natural description to the sound. Yeah, and even when she, the when her, her herself, the soloist, when she was speaking of her instrument, she was pointing out its warm tones. It's warm tone. Right. And I think, like, if you listen to uh, romantic music, so it, you can really feel the, the sweet, warm tones that's coming from that versus perhaps something energetic or sharp or crisp. Right. And these, these words maybe at the beginning seem uh, like they don't match the sound. But the more you use them, the more you can start to understand, oh, that's what they mean by warm sound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, sweet, I feel, is universal. That's quite easy to understand. But warm comes from, I feel, both the understanding of why you use that term and both the like, natural feeling. The natural feeling, yeah. yeah. Like, music, music at various points gets more nuanced even in our emotions. Like like a melancholy song is really different than just like a, a sad song. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, a sad could be a song could be about a sad thing, but like when it's and that shit as your your heart literally breaks listening to it. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, melancholy. Yes. Um, we just went on a on a little sidebar. I, how was the masterclass this morning? Masterclass was great, and that was I wasn't able to participate directly as a. Like usually, master class comes in. You perform your piece, and the uh, the mastro just means teacher in Italian. The mastro comes, and they'll give you feedback in front of everybody. So it was like an open lesson, right? Yeah. And so I was in the audience, and what I liked was I was still able to benefit because she would ask a question like, "Okay, well, how are you rounding the sound?" Rounding, right? How are you going to phrase this? Like, why did you make this decision? Okay, well, perhaps do it like this. Lift up your bow here. Use less bow. Why are you playing the note like this? You should emphasize this note because of the underlying harmonies and the importance of this E or G. And although I'm not playing those pieces, I brought my notebook and I was taking notes, and I can ask myself those same questions when I'm when I'm playing. Are you are you are you like watching? Oh, that's cool. Are you watching a meta analysis, and then you're, you're watching an analysis, and then you're doing like a meta analysis? I suppose I, if I understand you correctly, then yes, because I, I need to apply that onto myself. Yeah, right. I'm gonna suppose that we all we all know what <laughs> I meant by that. <laughs> Damn. All right. All right. And let's talk about the. The mission, because you didn't go to that masterclass empty-handed, did you? No. So, my goal is to just uh, meet meet musicians, meet violinists, and you know try to get them to share a little bit of their experience. Because uh, for my undergrad, I'm not at the conservatory, and while I still have have a wonderful instructor who plays in the Rhode Island Philharmonic. Well, I still have access, direct access to these musicians. You know, there's there's always more to learn, and always more people to to speak to. And so, uh, my goal, the masterclass, was to create a a a connection with her, right? And so I was there. I asked a question, and we spoke briefly. But I had had written a letter with uh, with. A little bit of my story condensed and an inquiry I had that I felt that would be specific to her her playing style that also I feel within me. And uh, I, of course, I put my contact information. And at the end of the day, you know, I hope that she reaches out. And if not, that's okay because she's a busy professional. But it's just, 
Like that's my goal every time I'm going to see a master violinist. I would like to keep the door open on that. Mm-hmm. So maybe in five, six years. Uh, you're shaking hands. I'm shaking hands. And she's like, oh, wait a second. You're not new. Yeah. Right? It's like. There's, there's something to be said about that. I think like you're, you're putting yourself in the room. I'm trying to plant the seeds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to, I want to go a little more into this, this, this connection thing you're doing, because I recall you also discussing once about a plan you had for Montreal. Yeah. So, um, after graduation, I'm planning on spending a year in Montreal before applying to conservatories. And mainly that's because I'm currently not in the position I need to be to enter a conservatory. Um, and just, of course, taking a year off will give me that space. But also putting myself in a new city is, A, it's great practice for that, okay, got to be ready, got to go and put myself out there and just meet, talk, meet, talk. And hopefully something sticks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but the main objective is, like, networking is great, but that year, the main objective is to learn learn as much as I can in this relative short amount of time so that I can make it to the next step. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that next step is a big jump, but if I don't land it, then. Okay. What, what is the next step? I've never heard. I've heard the word conservatory before. Right. I don't really know what that means. So the next step for me, um, is conservatory and this is not like an essential thing for musicians to participated but a conservatory is you can consider a university or a college just for music mm-hmm. right so we're at a liberal arts college we study the liberal arts and then your your specific discipline right when you're at a conservatory you study violin would be my specific discipline and then just music music history music theory but more violin you have improv like there's only emphasis on music at a conservatory. And so that helps you hone in on your uh, on your discipline, but it also puts you in an environment other people are going just as fast as you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's so important. The environment is crucial. It's like the movie Whiplash that you refuse to watch. I'll, I'll watch it at some point. Uh, no, I mean, I think it takes place at a music school like that. Yeah, I think it's at Juilliard. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Yeah, it, it yeah. was. It was. I think it was like the top, typically top, top, whatever the hell yeah. is. They probably uh, did Juilliard. Um, no, yeah, crazy movie. Love that movie. Um, don't Michael Jackson your kids though, because that that was the point. Spoiler right. alert. That was the. Point. I I got that from everybody telling me why I need to watch it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, very easy, I think, in some sense, with a movie like that to glamorize all the hard work yeah. the main character goes through, but it's actually, like, emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel you're committing emotional abuse? Because you be working, you be working hard, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I here's a question, because I also remember you, and you're still going through rehabilitation for your injury, right? Yes, yes. Um, could you talk about maybe what led up to your injury and the recovery after the fact? Yeah, so um, right now I have tendonitis um, and nerve irritation. Uh, mainly in my right arm, there's a little bit of tendonitis in my left, but that's just because of it's my regular usage or overusage. But with the nerve irritation, what, what was happening is I was just in the practice room practicing. I was not going hard. This particular day, I was not going hard. I came off of a semester performing where, uh, looking back, I can see why I may have developed that because I was I was playing Vivaldi, uh, Vivaldi's Winter and his Four Seasons. And in the third movement, I was just locking my arm stiff so I could get this harsh technique. Um, and I thought it worked beautifully. Uh, but my body didn't like it. Yeah. Right. And so one day I was I was back home in Qatar, uh, and this must have been end of December or early January. 
and I was just buying, doing regular stuff, and I felt as if I hit my funny bone, and that's my ulnar nerve. Yeah. And I was like, what's, what's going on? That was strange. Tried again, immediately the same reaction. And so it was shocking. It was like, what's going on? Yeah. So I, I stopped. I went home for the day. And mind you, this is, this was, I was doing very well mentally in terms of being able to handle a lot of music and practice. And so I would go in, I'd test my arm. Okay, it's not feeling good. No problem. I would practice three hours without bowing, like just doing other things. I did a week about that. And then I started like my, as my motivation started to peak. You wanted to, you wanted to get back into. I wanted to hear how I sounded. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, then everything declined. Like my time started to, to decrease. My motivation to go in the practice room decreased. I came back to Providence. I saw doctors, I got MRI, x-rays and all the scans. And they were just like, oh, it's tendonitis. I'm like, okay, but what about the nerve? Like, if the muscle hurts, I get that, massage it out. But about the nerve, like, there's something pinching my nerve. Never really got to the bottom of it. But since then, I haven't had that same sensation of, like, an a sh- uh, ulnar nerve shock. Um, yeah. But at times, I do feel the numbness of that pain, which is the nerves. Can you just... You just drive it all of a sudden now where my pinky go. Yeah, yeah. Is it still there? Are you awake? But so, yeah, that's that's the story there. So how was the um recovery after that and how did you handle that? So I was I felt very much in the dark, right? Because um I have again, I have a wonderful instructor who stays creative and is genuine in creating a path of success for each of her students. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I met with her and said, oh, I, I can't bow right now, right? And so, like, if my bow is, is this long, right, I bowed for a, for a whole semester of, like, this much. You, you, you bow it with a shortened bow? Yeah, like, I just had it on the violin sometimes. Most of the time I did it because, it, like, you're already activating your muscles. Was it already a special, was it a specially designed bow? No, no, no. If this is, like, this is my regular bow. I only used this much bow. Oh. I didn't have a different bow. Okay, I was like, yo, what? No, no, I don't have a different I was not keeping track. I get it now. But, like, even to hold the bow, you're activating your muscles, and then you're already targeting this area. You can't move without your muscles, guys. Yeah, crazy to find out. (laughs) That your body. You need your muscles to work for anything. Uh, so the recovery process was long because, again, I was in the dark. And I kept going to physical therapy. I kept doing these stretches. And, you know, in the place where I was, I was just like, these stretches are stupid. Because I would do them. I would work with my physical therapist. Yeah. And, you know, I was so stubborn about it. I just wanted to get better. But I'd work with my physical therapist and shit. Patience, patience. I'm like, okay. So I try to come in, be patient, be open-minded. Mm-hmm. I do these stretches. And then a few hours later, I'm in pain. Yeah. Right? I'm in a worse place than when I was before I came in. So then I show up next week, and I'm even more angry. I'm far more frustrated because it's like, you lied to me. This was supposed to help. And the truth is, is like, we're trying to work. We're supposed to be working together. Right? Yeah, like, you were being a dickhead. I'm not going to say that. I'm definitely not going to say that. I was, I was upset that I was hurt. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. And what she had said to me was like, listen, if this was, like, if you had broken your forearm, it'd be a f- easier recovery than this. Because, okay, bone's broken, put the bone together, let it heal, there you go. Yeah. With muscles, like, you don't exactly know why it's happening. Yeah. And then with tendonitis, again, if it's chronic, I mean, she explained the whole thing to me. I was like, I just, this is your job, you know? Like, come on, do something. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel like you were you were fainting for a short tire fix? Or like a rapid fix? Initially, of course. Yeah. You know, like, okay, when I first felt it, cool, I'll go home and tomorrow I'll be fine. Because that's happened with so many other things, right? Oh, I hurt my leg playing, whatever. Okay, fine, wake up tomorrow and you're good. <laughs> I woke up the next day, I wasn't good. Um, So after, I would say, several weeks, I was like, listen, I'm just going to call off this semester as long as I know that I'm going to be good. Whatever it takes, however long it takes, 
as long as I know I'm going to be good. Yeah. So that semester, you know, I put, took my foot off the gas. I was just looking to heal. Uh, but what really helped me was acupuncture. Acupuncture. Acupuncture did what physical therapy wasn't doing for me. I had a lot of tension in my forearms, right? Which the the belief was yeah. through the tension, the, the swelling and so on, that was compressing my ulnar nerve. That makes sense. That's the belief. And so I go to the acupuncturist and she's like, wow, you're really tight. Yeah. Like there's so much blood in your arms. No, no one's real shit. I mean, it's, I I have um, a bad case of, well, I don't anymore because I stretch regularly. Nice. But uh, patella tendonitis. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for like running, jumping and shit. Yeah, yeah. Working on my feet with bad shoes. And like, bro, I just remember I'd get off my shift. And I just had mad blood. Seriously? Like, it wasn't, like, coming out, bro, but it just, like, I'd touch my, my knee and it'd be mad pudgy. Wow. Mad blood, just an inflammation in the knee. Yeah. So, just on the point of the tension. Dude, that was your bursa sac filling up. I don't know. Yeah. I'm letting you know that that's that's what that is. That's Science, guys. What is it, my bursa sac? Yeah, B B U R S A R I believe. My bursa sac. Well, I don't know, dude. All I remember was my feet was folding, my knees was folding. You had gout. <laughs> I had, I had, um, well, you know, also I had really tight, I had really tight legs. Okay. And really tight hips. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think it was just, I might be totally wrong on what was going on with me. I, if my brother's listening, was a doctor, call me and correct me. Um, uh, will you get the gist, bro? Tight, yeah. Tension, tightness, whatever. Yes. I said the thing, we need our muscles to move, but we also need, um, like, our bones and our nerves need space. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Definitely the nerves, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just went on a whole tirade again. Um, okay. So, they, they the acupuncture. The acupuncture. Yeah, so the acupuncture. So, I mean, you get the general gist of acupuncture. They're looking to send, they're looking to redirect your blood channel. Right. Uh, that was incredibly oversimplified. But that, that's a good way to understand it. All right. So if, if blood is generally flowing, the reason she's putting these uh, needles, which are incredibly thin. Does it hurt? Not as much as you may think, right? Like, yeah. according to her, uh, one of her needles, uh, sorry, one, like, uh, medical injection needle is equivalent to 35 of her needles. Wow. Right. So it's like... Is that a lie? I, I don't know. It's like, 35 is a lot. 35 is crazy. Yeah. Um, but you no, know, th- there's this weird sensation, right? Cause she'll like prick them into you. Right. And that's okay. That this is not even a mosquito bite. Do you uh, have holes in your arm afterwards? Uh, they're there, but you're not going to like, they're not bleeding out unless she's using a thicker needle. You're not going to bleed out. Uh, but if they do cupping after then like, you'll see a droplet of blood like a mosquito bite. But so she pricks the needle into you and again, feel a little something, maybe a thorn, but then she'll readjust it. And the readjust, I, I don't have the words to describe that sensation, but it feels... Readjust? Yeah, it's like she readjusts it and... So like she just takes, she like wiggles it around? No, 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 there's, there's definitely... There's a procedure? There's a procedure that she's doing. She's just not... She's you not just can't fun. see it. Yeah, I can't see what's going on. And it feels like your deeper muscles... Like, if your muscles have layers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe the second or tertiary uh, level muscles just get stretched. And that's what it feels like. Wow. And it's not comfortable. And you have no idea what's coming, right? It's like, I, I can't even describe that, send the, the sensation properly, but that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and so I don't like that, obviously. But I love how I feel afterwards. Push. Acupuncture is great. They, they can fix a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have migraines, no problem. But they'll sort you out. Okay. Right? If you have even digestive problems, they can sort you out. A lot of problems actually come down to blood flow. Is there enough or is there too much? It's too much blood flow problem. Yeah, no, that's crazy, though. Damn, son. Yeah. Uh, So we went over... We went over a lot. Yeah. Uh... That's a little How do you like jazz, bro? Jazz is great. Jazz is, is something special. 
How do you nice. play jazz with a violin? Well, I have not played really as much jazz. Of course, it's possible. Um, you like it's important to have an understanding of chords and chord structures because I mean, violin is isn't typically played as a chord instrument the way piano or guitar would, mm-hmm. but it's capable of sustaining multiple harmonies, right? Well, what kind of instrument is it that if it's not a chord instrument? So melodic. Like, yeah, ver- harmonic versus melodic. Yeah, right? you see, I never knew that was a difference. Uh, but again, it's like, for instance, a piano, uh, like chords, when I say harmonic, I mean chordal, right? Mm-hmm. So guitars. Harmon- harmonics, right? A harmonica. Okay. I know it's not a string instrument, <laughs> but you know what I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I and, love about the. Right. And then uh, melodic. I'm just describing like a line that will, uh, an instrument that typically sings. Like a flute doesn't play chords. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Would a saxophone play chords? Well, no. I'm playing chords. Yeah. yeah. It's playing notes. Yeah, it's playing notes. And the violin, again, uh, we mainly play notes. Okay. But uh, we can sustain harmonies as well. I never, I never considered a distinction between notes and chords. Uh, they're the, they're the same. It's uh, language gets tricky here, but I, I imagine. So is it is a is it like words and sentences? Like notes or words? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Sentences a chord. You could categorize it that way. All right, cool, cool. I like analogies. Um, damn, brother, I tried you. I had another one. What has it been like? So you were born in the U.S. Yeah. You left to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. What has it been like having come back? So uh, I know I'm coming back, but because I left so early, I left, you know, when I was one and a half years old or so. It feels like I, this is my first time here. I feel like Eddie Murphy. Oh, thanks. I love America. <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, there's there's no language barrier because English is the only language I speak, right? Qatar has a large international population, and so people typically keep communicating English. Okay. Right. Um, the only time you need Arabic is in, uh, like, in civil civil courts or if you're at the police station. Yeah. So on. But everyone's bilingual. At least, sorry, the Arabic people are bilingual. They they're able to communicate in both languages. Uh, but so coming here is like, you know, I I expected a lot of. Uh, like what you see in movies, really, or in TV okay. shows, and the stereotypes of what it's going to be like when you go to college here. And that exists. <laughs> like, I, I'm not surprised of, of yeah. what I came to encounter. Um, I didn't anticipate coming to like, PC being a Catholic school. Like, there's no movie about going to a Catholic school. So what's that going to be like? Yo, right? Michael T, if you're watching, it's a good idea. <laughs> um, and And certain things, certain nuances like that. Yeah, um, but I can't say there was a ton of culture shock. No, okay. Right? I was just like, yeah, you know, I was expecting this more or less. All right. Um, well, you grew up in a very international place. I, I remember being in Oxford. It was very interesting. Yeah, I'm, you know what I mean. And I found myself somewhat homeless. Okay, like I mean that in the in the sense where I just. I didn't feel like I didn't belong. Right. You know what I mean? Um, what is what is the international experience? Like, is your whole life just international? Like, because, like, you know you know what I'm trying to Right, right. Like, where is where is my home? And if I don't have a home, then, yeah. like, do I am I floating? Um, great question. So, like, I've lived in Qatar for, I don't know, maybe, maybe 15 years, right? Uh, all of my, until I graduated. So, less than 15 years. And fortunately, I lived in like two houses during that whole time. So I have a strong sense of what home is there. Mm-hmm. A ton of people go into Qatar, especially in the, you know, 2000, 2010s. Their parents are there on a two to three year contract. If they get renewed, cool. But a lot of the times they don't want to get renewed. They're there to pay off their loans on any other debt they have. And then they move back to their home country, right? So few people will will be there for more than five years. Like y'all stayed there for three times. Yeah, like in fact, my my mom and sister they're still there. Yeah, so my mom spent more than twenty years in the Middle East. Okay, right. And it's like wow, wow. Uh, 
And so being international is it's like, because over there I'm American. Over here I'm my, uh, and we're saying, <laughs> they would say, oh yeah, I'm from New York. Really? Uh, so, was, and they started speaking to me like I'm a New Yorker. And then I realized, oh, wait, maybe, maybe I'm not exactly from New York. I guess I was born there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so in that sense, there is the question, where is home? Yeah. But internally, I feel very confident saying, like, Qatar is my home. That's where I lived. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so this being an international experience, because I'm not uh, working anymore, like, I don't have to learn a new language. I'm not interacting with uh, a ton of different ethnicities or, or cultures here at Providence College. It's... We're going to edit that out. You can't say, you can't say, that. you can't say where we are. Okay. I mean, I already mentioned it. We have to edit it out twice. Fuck. Damn, bro. You're making me put in man at work right now. Okay. Okay. Got it. And you got to edit twice. out the fuck I just screamed. Right. All right. Uh, so I will, we'll have a whole cut here. This is like seven, eight seconds. It's fun. It's fun. Okay. I just don't believe it. <laughs> I got to call my man that's not a belief stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, but okay, you were saying the international experience here at this university, which has no name. Say, wait, yeah, the, which will remain unnamed. Just check our bios. Find it. That's not in my bio. I'll never put that in my bio. Okay, it's currently not in my bio. Keep that. Don't put your, I like, I mean, I guess put your university in your bio for me is that much to you. But like, think about it. Like, okay, you're doing this podcast thing, right? Yeah. And you're at the university. Perhaps by putting your bio in the university, it's like, oh, wait, can I do the podcast? Maybe there's a higher up, an alumni, someone working on campus. Oh, wait a second. Let's put you in the studio. You, you're not, you're not wrong, right? But I, I first of all, I want to say this. I had faith in my ability to build this on my own. Okay. I put that out there. And second of all, I don't trust the feds. Sure. Right. Like you're asking me to work for the feds, bro. They're not feds. To me, they're feds. All right. All right. Um, you know, though we don't gotta get into my 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 relationship to different kinds of authority. And in, in, in all fairness, too, I don't trust the compatibility of this content. Sure. That's university. That's valid. And that's what I mean. I really don't trust the fit. Okay. Because you don't want them to control your, your art. Yeah. Right? Like, exactly. you have your own direction. If they start, especially if they start funding you, now you have to do what they want. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Um, get out of my face with that, with that kind of money. But what the hell was all about for you? You you made a jab, uh, international room, called what life is like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, since a home, because I've been in one place for quite some time, I feel confident saying that Qatar's. Can you? I remember you had a big deal when you first got here. Yeah, I was mad confused. I I was too. Don't worry. I, I was like, why am I here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I tell you why, right? Because in my head, I'm like, yeah, bro, he's from Qatar. So you would tell me, you was like, it was the first guy, you were telling people, they're like, all oh, from New York. And I'm like, yeah, dog. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, like, oh, you're from New York. Do you know this? Do you know? I'm like, yeah, never mind. But I, I lived there for five, for the first five years of my life. Right. I'm still not from New York. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I'm I saying? Stand that now. My grandma, I'll be visiting whenever. It's like, it's like, I ain't fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The street tomorrow? I don't know. Um, so no, no, no. Um, so, and I, I remember we would have conversations Yeah. and you know, what is it, how do you compartmentalize? How do you like, how does it exist in your mind? This notion of you are, you live in Qatar, mm-hmm. in Qatar. Um, you have Qatari citizens who enjoy certain privileges and then you have like immigrants to that country, such as your family. And like, there's just a different, as far as you've told me, it's not like you've ever been like persecuted. No, no, no. reason or other. But there's definitely um, like a status thing going on there. Could you talk about that for a little bit? Status thing. Uh, like privileges given to citizens that just aren't given to well, you know, visa holders. Yeah, yeah. Is, so- is, that, is that still true? Yeah, so the, the way they operate is that they want to support their own. Um, and by doing so, Qatar is a very wealthy country. And so they have the resources to support everybody. Um, and primarily they put uh, their country nationals first. Mm-hmm. Right? So if there's a job available, uh, they're going to hire somebody else if 
they don't have anyone, they don't have their own uh, to do that job, right? So like English teachers, right? My mom's English uh, professor, and it makes sense why she's there, right? But say something like uh, a managerial position, okay, take this country student, let him study first, let him get his uh, degrees, let him know what he's doing, and then plug him in. And uh, because of the time period as well, it's like Qatar is, is relatively new, right? Like they got this money, they, they turned themselves around at the turn of the millennium and they're just continuing to, to grow and grow and grow. And so in the beginning, they hired a ton of expats to help them bring that country. Expats? Yeah, foreigners. To bring that country up immediately, right? Like they didn't want to have slow, stretch out growth because they didn't need to wait like that. So they hired all these people, bang, right? Now they're starting to be like, okay, great. We can do a lot of these things ourselves, right? Uh, you know, our population is more educated. They've gone to universities internationally, locally. Um, and you can start to see that being plugged in uh, domestically. Okay. So, and I don't know, what was your experience uh, in that? Was there anything particular about that? Or was it just like regular life? Like, did it ever cross your mind? Uh, I think it was, it was I, I seen it as regular, right? Maybe it's not to you, but the way it went was, uh, like, I went to an international school. So there were plenty of Qataris there, but, um, like, there was a pretty good balance between... Batman's about to walk in, but... Yeah, yeah. Continue, though. There was a pretty good balance... Batman. Yeah. Pretty good balance between... Fucking I, Batman, bro. I, I guess we got it. Death cutting this... Yeah. Uh... It's all right. We'll, we'll get the studio going at some point. Yeah. We'll have the recording light on. We're shooting in the laundry room. The gym. It's also a boxing ring. Yeah. Ned. <laughs> so, yo, Batman, say what's up. Now, that's Bruce Wayne. That's Bruce Wayne. Say what's up, right Batman. Here. You're not even. Oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um,. Low key, I'm putting him on all my all my videos now, like as the as the toast you know the toasty guy from Mortal Kombat? Nah, he just be copping him on your screen, you have the toasty. Okay. And the fight, I'm like I'm like eleven years old, like. And that's that's him. He just makes cameos. Stanley. Yeah, yeah. Stanley. He's going in here, he'll get out here to talk politics one day. Nice. But um that's okay. Cool. We were talking about the ex past the foreigners, you were talking about your experience. Yeah. You never you never really noticed it? So it, it just came as natural to me, right? Because yeah. I went to international school and it was, it was either 50-50 or there's slightly more internationals than Qataris. Uh, and uh, that's just how it was. Yeah, it just seemed just like everyday, regular, regular. Okay. You know, because also the country population is smaller. Like if, the, if, if at one point the, the population in Qatar was 2 million, Maybe six hundred thousand were locals. Wow! Okay. Right, and so the rest were just foreigners from wherever. Wow, that's crazy numbers. Yeah. Oh wow! Now I think the population population is closer to three million. Are they very isolationist, like separatist? Like there's the country people, and then you are expats. Like, this is there any like um, naturalization process? Well, I don't know about naturalization process, but. Uh, Often at times when you have that many international people in one space, there's going to be a mix of, of culture, and at times that culture can clash. So the general policy is, like, you are in Qatar and you're going to appreciate, like, what they have to offer. You can still practice your own cultures and practices. Uh, when I, but in doing so, you shouldn't be trying to take over or push the countries out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and like looking at the, the Gulf region, the Middle East, so it's like Saudi, Oman, UAE, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar. Um, every cu- country has a slightly different approach. If you look at UAE and specifically Dubai, they're a city, right? Huge city. Qatar and mainly Doha tries to like, uh, develop, but at the same time, maintain that cultural background yeah. and history. It's trying to balance building towards the future with maintaining tradition. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's like Dubai, just like a call for tradition. A lot of a lot of people feel that way. Okay, like if and again, Dubai is not the whole country. 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dubai itself, because that's what a lot of people gravitate towards in the Middle East. Oh, let's go to Dubai. Let's go to Dubai. I'll be real. That's like, it, especially when it comes to the UAE, that's the only yeah. location I know in there. There's Dubai, which is not even the capital. Abu Dhabi's the capital, which you've heard of before. Yeah, I didn't even. Yeah, yeah you did, right? I mean, I didn't know that, but yeah. it's like, you don't even think about it. Exactly. Dubai is what comes to mind. That's the first thing yeah. that comes to mind in the, in the entire Middle East. Yeah. Uh, but then a lot of people are like, well, I wish they were still called culture there yeah why am i in vegas i'm sorry i just had to say this real quick yeah. i'm diddy bopping in abu dhabi shouts to al davino all right i'm glad glad you got that off the chest yeah yeah for if y'all been wondering why i've been saying that for the last five years or so maybe more that's why okay um but i all right okay what'd you just say i was talking about international and cultural uh, and balances of cultures right uh yeah, yeah, and that's that's what it is. Cutters like here is, and some people yeah. you said you said some people wish that the Qatar could keep its or not Qatar that Dubai. Dubai would would maintain some of it. Yeah, but fortunately, other areas in UAE like Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. it's like Dubai is really its own thing. It's its own thing. Like you leave Dubai and you're like, oh, nothing is as crazy as what I just. So- it's like when you go to the resort in the R, and then all of a sudden you're in the. Immediately after the security gate, don't leave your car. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. All right. I got. Ah. Right, cool. Cool. I got one last question for you. All right. Please, man. I'm in access. You may want to grab some stuff. How was no. the World Cup? Wow. How was the World Cup? The World Cup was. I mean, for so many reasons, it was perhaps like some of the best 10 days of my life, right? Because I was there for 10 days. And um, why what really helped was that, like, that's my home country. Qatar, if you look on a map, Qatar is a tiny country. It's not even the size of Connecticut, right? That uh, Qatar is small, okay? That's pretty. And... So by you go up and down it in, a, in a half an hour, like... Yes. Half a day. Yes, yes. And so not only is Qatar small, but it's an Arab country, and in general, Arab countries have just been like persecuted by the media and by war, by by Western powers for uh, decades, right? Yeah, oil money, baby. It's that oil money, man. Like, look at Iraq. You know, like I'm not gonna get into that. That's Luis's job. <laughs> we all know what that was about. And at early, but there was recently um a, a speech the the Washington no the Washington Bush. Okay. Um, I was thinking W, and I went Washington Bush was giving. And he was saying basically, um, he misspoke. Yeah, I I know he saw it. Of course, I saw it. He said he said Iraq instead of Russia, and everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we know, we know, we know." Yeah. Um, not proceed though. I'm sorry, I interrupted. So, anyways, like this country, tiny Arabic country, and and for years, people are like, "This country is going to host a horrible World Cup. They can't handle that influx of people." Because the population is two, two and a half million. We're getting another two million for the World Cup. Like that, right? And so it's funny. Like, I graduated in 2019. I left Qatar. I came back that winter. Um, and they were already building, like, huge... Like, they put in a metro system like that. You blinked, and it was there. Whoa. All right. And then COVID, I didn't go. I went another time. Bang. Stadiums have popped out of nowhere. Like, it's like, wow. Okay. And like we know that that the uh, like the blue collar workers they have harsh conditions, and they were overworked. Um, but it's not to say in any case justifying what what's happened because some of those conditions were were too harsh for those workers. But that was that that that's what was honed in by the media. It's like these guys are corrupt, and they're uh, they shouldn't have the rest to host a World Cup. Russia hosted the World Cup. Okay. When did they host the World Cup? The previous World Cup in 2018. They did? They hosted the World Cup. What was I doing in 2018? <laughs> and, you know, they have... They've done the exactly same thing, if not worse, right? Brazil hosted the World Cup. Why is Brazil hosting the World Cup? Mind you, when Brazil did host the World Cup, when FIFA left, it was a wreck. Exactly. It was a wreck. They did Why did not- they host the Olympics and the World Cup, like, two years apart from each other? They did not actually. They didn't have the 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 capacity to host that. Right. Like no funding, no 
Exactly. They left that shit worse than they than they arrived. So a lot of people are attacking Paptar and maybe they should analyze FIFA as an organization. But how is the World Cup is your question? Uh, yeah, yeah. I assume that was fantastic. Because I get there, I'm a little bit nervous. You know, I'm like, I really hope Qatar hosts the greatest World Cup possible. Right. And I get there. And what's the best feeling, man, is when you're on the flight, flight to Qatar during the World Cup, every single person on that time is going for the World Cup. Right. So everyone's like, some people are dressed up in gear and they're all excited. It's like you're on a fan plane, heading like you're on a, a 12 hour flight. It's like the field trip when you're a kid. Yeah. And you all hop on the bus. and you Everyone's go, excited. We're like, who do you think's going to win? One of those Dude, I was talking okay. to strangers that were having predictions. They were just like fanning all over. They like Messi and six. No. Bro, it's sport. I know. This is uh, so, so beautiful. Just on that plane. And once I was on the plane, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to have a good time. I land. I get there. World Cup. World Cup. World Cup. World Cup. I go home. And I like to do this thing when I'm home, I like climb up on the roof and I, I'm just like looking out and I look out and dude, I see a stadium. I see two stadiums from, from my house and I'm like, this is insane. And no stadium was more than an hour away okay. from each other. Right. And that's what made the world cup so special to many fans because you could watch multiple games in a day. You hop on the free Metro. The Metro was free during the world cup. You hop on the free Metro get to the stadium, all right? Or you take a 30-minute Uber to get to the next stadium. Mm-hmm. Or you take the... They made the World Cup accessible to those, even for people who weren't at the stadiums, because they set up what they called the fan zone. Mm-hmm. And there was like this blocked-out section uh, where they had massive jumbo screens and concerts going on and like celebrations of the World Cup. Yeah. And so everybody who was there was happy. They were just excited. And... The population doubled. So now you have 4 million happy people who just love what's going on for an entire month. I mean, I was only there for 10 days, but for the whole month. Yeah. And it was beautiful to see. Like, my my small little country is at the top of the world right now. We're on all the headlines. Yeah. Messi won the World Cup. The greatest player of all time wins the World Cup in my, in my, little, in my little country right there. So it was, it was beautiful. It was, it was, it was shouts number 10 though. Yeah. Yeah. Messi. And I mean, and Morocco, bro. Morocco going yeah. to the semifinals in an Arabic country during the world cup. We were yeah. hard, bro. That was, that was so, so many beautiful things about that tournament specifically. But for me, it's, it's also because I was home. Yeah. Shouts to my cousin, Jack Adam. I was born, I was playing too later. Why? Cool. Shout out to him. That's the Nissa woman. I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to wipe my ass and shit when I was baby. Um, I will explain to you why in a second. Yeah. I don't know. But no, yo, that's a rap, bro. That that was a good-ass chant. I'm mad hungry. Yep. Beef patty. All about cooked chicken. Okay. That's, I, got some, yeah. I got some curry chicken right now. Nice. You know what I'm saying? But yo, bro, it was a good talk. It's a pleasure, bro. Do you wanna do you wanna send any any parting messages, anything you wanna say to the good people of the world? Well, this it's funny, this talk wasn't as violent centered as I thought it was gonna be. But to any musician, if you are going through uh, a practice induced injury or performance induced injury, there are texts available for you to read and there are people who are willing to talk about it. You just have to ask. What'd you mean violence? Violin. Oh, violin. See, your mind is somewhere else. Stop yeah, talking about know. violin. I have... I, 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 gotta, I gotta go back to there. It's okay. Uh, I'm gonna cut that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. Fantastic.